Hey, it's Freddy Cruz unlocking the stories of the individuals, businesses, and organizations that make the greater Houston area great. One such organization is Interfaith Ministries for Greater Houston. During this conversation, I had the chance to catch up with my friend, Chief Development Officer Maria McGee. We discussed their refugee resettlement services as it relates to something that happened two years ago. That is the fall of Kabul, Afghanistan. And you may or may not know this, but the Houston area welcomed thousands of refugees from that part of the world. We also talk about their Animals and Meals on Wheels programs for the elderly and their Tapestry Gala, which is happening on November 4th. Catch up with them and all the wonderful things they're doing throughout the greater Houston area at imgh.org. And if you enjoy this episode, please share with your family and friends, sign up for the newsletter at cruisethroughhtx.com, and leave a review on your favorite podcast platform. Thank you. Hi, I'm Ed Sheeran. This is Bruno Mars. Hey, it's Katy Perry. This is your man Flo Rida with Freddie Cruz. This is AJ Mitchell with Freddie Cruz. Freddie Cruz. Freddie Cruz. Tell you she go pick Mr. 305 and you already know what it is. My name is Freddie and it's time to cruise through HTX. So I want to begin, Maria, with something that continues to surprise you about the city of Houston with each passing year. Oh, my goodness. You know, I think what continues to surprise me about the city of Houston is just the generous spirit of Houstonians. We see it in times of disaster like Hurricane Harvey. We've seen it throughout the pandemic. Here at Interfaith Ministries, we saw it after the fall of Kabul when we welcomed thousands of Afghan refugees to our city. The ability of Houstonians to rise up during these times of crisis and help their neighbors never ceases to amaze me. When you have these people that are displaced and they come here, how exactly do you get in touch with them? Are you Do you have a team on the ground that is waiting because you got the call that, hey, we've got some people coming in and they're going to need some help? And so how does that even happen, given that we see all that we've seen all the images on TV of of all the chaos and disaster and people like literally chasing planes down the runway. Sure. So Interfaith Ministries has been involved in refugee resettlement for over 30 years. It's one of our four core service areas in addition to Meals on Wheels, Interfaith Relations and Community Partnerships and Serve Houston Volunteer Houston. So typically, um, when a person attains refugee status from the UN, they go through a very long process from the time they flee their country to when they request to resettle. Um, refugees who typically request to resettle in the U.S. are doing so because they already have family here. That process can easily take 18 months or more. We are notified with ample time um, to welcome these refugees. They're referred through the U.S. State Department to a handful of NGOs that operate at the national level. Those NGOs in turn work with local resettlement agencies. So the NGO we work with is Episcopal Migration Ministries. They refer specific refugees to us. When Kabul fell in the fall of 2021, it was not something we were expecting. We had not budgeted to resettle thousands of Afghan refugees. It was an unprecedented humanitarian crisis 
because of the nature of the fall of Kabul, we were not in the normal situation we encounter where we have a lot of lead time before the refugees come to us. It happened very quickly. They were airlifted out by our military. Many of the Afghan men had worked with U.S. troops, and so it was not safe for them to stay in their country. They, when they came to Houston, um, we had very little time to find shelter for them to get them into apartments, to make sure they had food. And a lot of the Afghans who came to us, they were professional people. They were not people that were desperate, were living in refugee camps. They were living professional lives there. And suddenly those lives were uprooted. We had to work very quickly to raise private funds to help the Afghans in those first few weeks. And Houstonians, as I mentioned before, just rose up to address the crisis. Um, they wanted to help our Afghan allies and private donations poured in. Two years after the fall of Kabul today, we are still working with that population as well as other refugees from around the world. Um, usually within a year, most of our refugees are completely self-sufficient. They're working. They are supporting themselves. There was one young man um, that comes to mind who came to us from Afghanistan. He was a doctor. He had a successful practice in that country. But when he came here, of course, his, his license didn't transfer over. He was unable to practice medicine. He had to start all over. Because of what he experienced, he wanted to give back. He wanted to stay in the area of healthcare. So he actually got a degree in public health in his first two years in the United States and is now working for us, working for Interfaith as a medical case manager giving back. That is incredible. Oh, wow. <laughs> and when you we talk about what happened in Afghanistan, which is two years ago, and it seems like a decade. Um, and really, it's, it's, um, it's astounding to me that someone can be uprooted from a life of chaos, despite living a professional life and having a, a career as a doctor in this, in this one instance. Um, it's, still, it's still incredible that somebody can have their life and their family's lives, in some cases, completely uprooted, move across the world, and in a, in a matter of a year, be like, okay, I'm good now, and I can take care of myself and my family. We see that resilience time and time again. You know, during the different years, the decades that we've welcomed refugees, at times there are crises in different countries that are propelling them to leave. At the time Hurricane Harvey hit Houston, um, we were seeing a lot of Syrian refugees. There was a Syrian woman who had been resettled shortly before the hurricane. She was a teacher in Syria. She'd only been in Houston a few weeks when the storm hit. As soon as the roads were clear, she got a ride to the George R. Brown and started volunteering with those Houstonians who had been forced out of their homes and were in the George R. Brown. She wanted to give back to the city that had welcomed her with open arms. So we do see that resilience. We see that desire to give back in all of our refugees. I keep going back to the fact that 
in in most cases, the refugees are completely acclimated to life in the United States after a year, in some cases, maybe a little longer. Um, it took me, I don't know, and I'm a, I'm a Mexican-American, it took me three years of high school to even learn what little Spanish I do know. So the fact that these people are coming from a, across the world and are living their lives and speaking English and paying it forward because they were welcomed with open arms and they want to do they want to they want to go out and they want to prove that hey we're not just coming here just to for lack of a better term mooch we we I'm a doctor I was a teacher and this is what I'm going to do just here and not where I left yeah it's it's something it really is amazing to see, and we have a very comprehensive program in our Refugee Services Department to make sure the families have the tools they need to succeed. So initially, of course, we focus on basic needs, shelter, food, but very quickly within the first six months, we're focusing on that upward mobility, on job training, getting the children in school, um, connecting our clients with healthcare resources. So we very quickly help our clients to attain self-sufficiency. And we also provide cultural orientation, a number of life skills classes um, that help them to navigate life in Houston. And I wanted to ask you about that because that's the other thing, too, is not just um, being completely uprooted from a life of chaos and then you're around, you're moving across the world and you're in this foreign land where you don't know who, you know, how you're going to be accepted. Um but there are other things. And I remember in a previous radio career of mine talking to somebody who worked worked with refugees, and there was a a teenage boy who was driving a car and didn't know what a stop sign was and ran the stop sign and he got pulled over. And let's not beat around the bush. That could have ended really badly for him um, had he have acted a certain way. But these are just little things to take into account when you've got people that are moving from a foreign land. Yes, I think we take for granted um, some of the everyday occurrences that seem normal to us but might be confusing to newcomers. And so we provide a variety of life skills training, how to use the public transport system, how to use the public library system, how to enroll your child in school. Um, other skills, um, especially for women, for female refugees, how to perform basic car maintenance and oil change, how to budget, how to start your own business. We provide health-related uh, sessions, diabetes, heart disease. So we really try to um, educate and expose these newcomers to different parts of our society that might be confusing to them at first. And then they also identify things that they want to learn more about. Um, with women in particular, we had some requests for fitness programs. And so we partnered with the Y to offer swimming lessons. Um, one thing that was kind of um, funny was our women wanted to learn line dancing, Texas line dancing. So at one time we had Texas line dancing classes going. I love that. That is so cool. Um, 
we let's shift the conversation if we could, Maria, to something that is also very near and dear to my heart. That's Meals on Wheels. A couple of couple of summers back, my daughter and I had the the honor of being able to help out one of the one of the local churches in the area. And if I were in that situation, it makes me glad to know that there's something like Meals on Wheels. And then to further the topic of discussion, you have animals on wheels. So there are people who don't have to surrender their animals because they can't afford to feed them. Freddie, first of all, thank you for volunteering for Meals on Wheels. The program always needs volunteers. We are actually the largest Meals on Wheels provider in the state of Texas. On any given weekday, we are delivering to over 5,300 seniors Last year alone, we delivered over 1.9 million meals throughout Greater Houston and Galveston. Meals on Wheels exists to address two challenges that many homebound seniors face. The first, of course, is food insecurity. Over 82% of our seniors say that our meal is their primary source of nutrition. And the other need is social isolation, which I think we all came to understand more during during the pandemic. Hunger and loneliness are endemic among the homebound senior population. So our Meals on Wheels drivers provide critical lifelines to our elderly neighbors. Often the Meals on Wheels driver may be the only regular visitor these seniors receive. You mentioned the Anna Meals program. And many of our seniors live alone and their pet may be their only companion, their constant companion. Unfortunately, many times seniors are forced to give up their pets because they can no longer afford to provide pet food and veterinary services for them. Over a decade ago, our drivers witnessed a strange thing. They noticed that many of the seniors were sharing their meal with their pet, which is not good for the senior or the animal. So we started the Animals program. It's a completely volunteer-driven program that provides free pet food to over 1,300 dogs and cats of homebound seniors. And we also have limited funds for preventative veterinary services. So the program ensures that the senior can keep their pet and keep their best friend with them in their home. Perhaps you work a day job or you're working through the weekend and time does not permit you to help Interfaith Ministries with Meals on Wheels or Anna Meals on Wheels. But one way you can definitely pay it forward is through the Tapestry Gala, which is one of the one of the organization's biggest fundraising events. It's happening in November at the time of this recording. It's early February, uh, early October. Can we talk about this event in particular and what people can expect when they purchase their ticket? Yes, Freddie. So all the work that we spoke about, Meals on Wheels, Anna Meals, Refugee Services, and our other programs, Interfaith Relations and Community Partnerships, Serve Houston, Volunteer Houston, would not be possible without the support of friends like you. The Tapestry Gala is our largest fundraising event of the year. This event raises over $600,000 for our vital programs. It provides much-needed support that can be used where it's needed most. This year's event will be held Saturday, November 4th in the evening at the Hilton Americas. 
We are just thrilled to have wonderful honorees. Our tapestry honorees this year are Susan and Dan Boggio. And our Spirit of Respect Award, which is given to exemplary faith leaders each year, will be presented to Juanita and Rudy Rasmus. Our honorary chairs are Brigitte and Bashar Kalai. And our event co-chairs are Karen and Jay Harburg and Tamina and Faisal Masood. We are planning an elegant, globally themed evening to support our work. The theme is Welcoming the World. That encapsulates our work with refugees, our interfaith work that brings together people of many diverse traditions for dialogue, collaboration, and service. The gala still has tables and tickets available for sale on our website at imgh.org. Just click on events and you'll see the gala right there. We welcome anyone who's interested in our work to purchase a ticket or a table joining us for this very special evening that funds very critical work. Y'all, you heard the stories. The gentleman, the doctor from Afghanistan, the teacher from Syria, the the women who wanted to learn how to line dance to Texas music, Anna Meals, uh, there's a way to pay it forward. And you could do so with Interfaith Ministries, Greater Houston. Again, that website is imgh.org, talking to Chief Development Officer for Interfaith Ministries, Maria McGee. Thank you so much for coming by the show today. Thank you so much, Freddie. Hey, it's me. I'm back with a quick little nudge. If you enjoyed this podcast as much as I did putting it together for you, then please leave a review on your favorite podcast platform and subscribe to the newsletter at cruisethroughhtx.com and share with your family and friends. Thank you.